ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Films of Fury. And uh, I am your host, Sergeant Fury. And as always, you can catch this fine-ass podcast wherever you download your fine-ass podcast. You can find this on Anchor.fm, Google Play, <laughs> Stitcher. Uh, you can find this coming to iTunes pretty soon, which I'm pretty stoked about. I'm like a little kid in a candy store with that one. Uh, what are all the other... Uh, Yo, I said Google, Spotify, find this on Spotify, listen to it in your car when you're on your way to your dead ass job. Uh, and tonight I'm pretty stoked. I'm not gonna lie. Um, the last couple of podcasts that I've done have, have kind of been leaning towards the festive, if you will, the podcast I did with my son a couple days ago, reviewing the new, uh, illumination slash universal studios Grinch movie was heading towards it. But tonight we're going balls deep in, in it tonight. We're doing anti-Christmas movies. And to do anti-Christmas movies, you kind of have to go with the you know, anti-establishment gentleman, if you will. And I am I have called in a special backup for tonight. He's a movie, uh, he's a cinephile, if you will, a movie buff. He's someone that I have enjoyed many conversations about all uh, genres of films in locker rooms uh, across the Northeast. He is... One half of the masterminds behind uh, TIW, truly independent wrestling. He's the one. He's the only. He's memories, moments, and Lance Madewell. Welcome to the show tonight, brother. How's it going, Fury? Thanks for having me on. I'm actually pumped that I get to do this with you for the first time. So I'm pretty uh, excited. And a great, great topic for today, anti-Christmas movies. I'm really pumped about it, man. It's going to be nice. We, we tried to get together for, for horror in the 90s, which is still on the, the whiteboard. I still have you penciled yes. for that one. <laughs> but it's like I thought about it. I'm like, okay, I can do that one at any time. And then I'm sitting here this past week, and it's like it's it's Thanksgiving, and Christmas music is playing before Thanksgiving dinner. I'm like, man, fuck. Everyone, whether they want to admit it or not, kind of hates Christmas. In a way, yeah, there's certain aspects of it that people hate and uh, some aspects of it that people love. Um, I kept thinking about last week. I just keep thinking every single time Thanksgiving comes around, why Eli Roth hasn't made a Thanksgiving movie yet. And it's tearing away at me, man. I want to see one. Like he just came out with that uh, a House with a Clock in Its Walls movie, his first non-R-rated movie ever. And it's just like, come on, Eli, get back to the nitty gritty, man. We don't want remakes of cabin fever or pg rated jack black movies i mean well then again I, I keep hearing that movie was pretty decent about as decent as goosebumps was and the second one was but i want to see old eli roth back again i want to see a thanksgiving movie it's been about 11 years since they dropped 12 years actually no wait 2007 was grindhouse so yeah about 11 years since they dropped that first trailer which in my opinion is the best fake trailer from that movie so i, I just keep waiting each year to find out if he's ever going to do it. So so Eli Roth, the, the gauntlet, the challenge has been thrown out. We need Thanksgiving. Um, yes. <laughs> I, and in fact, I, I will second that only if I can get Rob Zombie's werewolf women of the SS as a follow-up. Yes, of course. Because we, of got, course. we got Machete, we, got thank, we could get Thanksgiving, and if we could just get Rob Zombie... Yep. To, to agree and more Nicolas Cage than Rob Zombie because yes <laughs> it's like he had Mandy earlier this year which was a splatter fest of a film but we're getting off topic oh we're getting yes. off topic so um I have to ask you uh how's everything been before we get into the business of anti-Christmas how's everything been on the wrestling front uh I see you you've branched out to a lot of different promotions in the area so what have you got coming up man um, well, uh, a lot of people do know that truly independent wrestling has been around for about two years. Uh, we're about to be celebrating, celebrating our two year anniversary and we have the clash before Christmas three, which is our second anniversary show coming up on the first, uh, this Saturday, uh, doors open at five 30 show starts at six. We have a lot of great matches that are, will be happening. Uh, myself, I will be teaming up with Benjamin Blackwell and the returning Pierre, the beast of Sean to face off against the mutts. 
and we will also be having uh, other matches as well. We will be having our first ever steel cage match for the TIW Championship, which will have Elite Terrell uh, put the belt up against Fox Vineyard, Jimmy Limits, and Angel Cross, and many more. So if you guys want to check it out, go on uh, the website, trulyindependentwrestling.com, or you can look it up on Facebook, same name, YouTube, any kind of social media you can think of. We pretty much have it. So feel free to take a look at our stuff. All of our shows are online. You don't need a name badge to videotape matches, and they immediately go up on our YouTube afterwards. So you guys can enjoy that. Um, Also, you guys can catch me on the 90s Nut Podcast. Um, I should be doing an episode this week about uh, toy lines from the 90s, uh, and that will be going up sometime this week. I hope to be recording that tomorrow. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned toy lines for the 90s because recently uh, I have to give props to the major wrestling figure podcast for making me scratch certain figure itches lately. (laughs) I'm going back and I'm rebuying all of the Alien and Predator action figures that Kenner put out in the 90s. Yes, I love those. The whole Aliens thing. (laughs) Versus Predator. And it's like... yes. there's i still have some of the originals but i want mint on card and um for christmas if anyone wants to get me anything the alien queen hive that kenner put out that had the slime with it there you go so uh and since we mentioned christmas again uh what brings us together tonight for this uh momentous christmas occasion is, is by the time this drops which will be tomorrow morning. You know, we will be in the last days of November heading into December. And already the Christmas music was playing. The Christmas music was playing in October. You know, you knew Hallmark Channel's lineup of Christmas movies uh, and uh, Freeform's Christmas movie schedule way in advance. And I'm sitting here and believe it or not, this is the 30th anniversary uh this week of one of my favorite christmas anti-christmas movies of all time scrooge scrooge i immediately thought of that 88 and i was like you gotta say scrooge uh, scrooge is my scrooge is in my top three and if anyone, oh, yeah. if anyone is wondering what consider what constitutes as a anti-christmas movie it is a film that takes place with either christmas is the backdrop or it's a Christmas film that doesn't necessarily over-glorify Christmas, like that kind of tongue-in-cheek maybe jabs at the holiday itself. And for me, Scrooged with Bill Murray what is There are three Christmas movies I have to watch every year, and that one is the first one because Bill Murray's performance in it, he was very Ted Turner. He was very cutthroat and, you know, the youngest executive in IBC history. And you'll love it. And the commercial that played at the beginning, with Lee <laughs> yes. the night the reindeer, the reindeer died. died. It's like you're setting your movie up with the six million dollar man. Yeah, it's Lee major. Majors. You've been a real good boy this year. It's- <laughs> And then Bill Murray's performance in it, because it's essentially a Christmas carol. It's screwed. Yes. You know, and by the end of the movie, yes, you have that good, happy feeling all the way through the credits because the cast kept singing and Bill Murray was making fun of audience members. To me, that's like the one of the trinity as far as anti-Christmas movies goes. That's at least Christmas based. So what do you have on your top three? Um, well, for me, I just want to touch back on Scrooge because actually Scrooge is in a big uh, way for me part of the list, but is not part of my top three. It's just because the three that I have down have been so special to me throughout the years. Uh, Scrooge is a movie that I would see on USA mm-hmm. when I was a kid here and there. Uh, my uncle was a huge fan of it. And I would watch it with him here and there. And then as I started getting older, I didn't really watch it that much. But within the past five years, I've made it a tradition. And there's a lot of like cool stuff I like about it. Um, I, I love the special effects. Um, I love how it, it's a very different movie for Richard Donner to direct. Because I never really seen him direct something like this. I mean, granted, you know. I've seen him direct like the omen and stuff like that and uh, lethal weapon and whatnot. But the funny thing about it is, is like this 
movie is just completely different for him in every way. And there's a lot of other supporting people that I like a lot about. Like, you know, I love Bobcat Goldthwait's character in the movie. Uh, he's my favorite out of that whole movie. And then I also am a big fan of Carol Kane in that movie. Just how she like just beats the unholy hell out of him. But there was a lot about Scrooge that I really enjoy. Unfortunately, it's not my top three. <laughs> so what would be in your top three? Um, my top three would be um, now my my number three my number three pick would be uh, Batman Returns because um, as a kid I was more of a fan of the original one and then uh, Batman Forever I've never really paid too much attention to the other two and then when I became a teenager I was just a huge fan of Batman Returns and there's just a lot of just the whole the whole aspect of this is how you do a comic book movie right during Christmas time. This is an Iron Man three Christmas time. This is Batman returns Christmas time. And it was just a lot better way on how to do it and do it right. Rather than do it wrong. How Iron Man three did. I don't know what is, I mean, going a little sidebar here. What is your view on Iron Man three? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because Batman Returns is in my top three of anti-Christmas movies. And for the reason that I remember going to theaters to see it, it, it came out in the summer and yes. it's Christmas based. And for me, all right, first off, if anyone is ever wondering why I have issues with women, you can thank Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. I've said it on a <laughs> thousand podcasts. You know, she ruined me for, for all women afterwards. But Iron Man 3... I, I think they were looking for a novel way of doing a a superhero movie. Shane Black putting it in the backdrop of Christmas. I It worked uh, to an extent, although I didn't feel the connection. Like I didn't. It missed the mark. It missed the mark to me because the only thing Christmassy about it was the scene where the vice president, you know, gets the phone call from Rhodey. And, you know, when Tony Stark does his house party and then blows up all the suits, they have the Christmas music in the background. Other mm -hmm. than, and oh, and of course, Robert Downey Jr.'s reverse strip teasing at the beginning to <laughs> to his record player playing. I think it was Here Comes Santa Claus. Like, other, oh, geez. <laughs> other than that, it was like it, it, it missed the mark where you I think you were spot on with Batman Returns. Mm -hmm. It was a dark gothic christmas much to and it had to do a lot with the character of the penguin danny devito's character had to be in that environment and it's like if you're gonna make it in winter make it in christmas and make it yeah. a dark christmas music movie i mean they kill they kill miss gotham by throwing her off of a building and she lights up a christmas tree full of bats there you go yes that's fucking christmas you know that's christmas yeah. in gotham um but no, I think Iron Man missed the mark with that one. Yeah. So before I get into number two, I just wanted to, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that when I'm talking into the mic, it seems like I can't really hear you that much. It seems like the volume with you talking is going down. Do you have any idea what that is? No, no. I think I'm, I, I'm pretty good with everything. Like all my volumes huh. are high. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Hold on a second. The Skype. Hold on just one moment here. I'm holding and hold it <laughs> and hold it. I swear to God, if Lance is taking a piss break in the middle of the podcast, that would be the third person to do that while on a podcast with Sergeant Fury. No, I'm actually trying to get another headset because right now I'm talking to you on my uh, my Bluetooth headset. Oh, that's, uh, that's well, I'm talking to you on my my blue snowball microphone, but I have my Bluetooth head. Uh, Headbuds in, so I'm actually going to try to disconnect them and use actual headbuds, ah, earbuds. Not a problem. Here, actually. hold on. Yep, do it up. Boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and. Ooh. How you doing? Okay. Oh, I've got you. I've got you louder and clearer, louder. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. If that, you know how Bluetooth technology is, man. It's all weird. True. And you're not fading out when I'm talking to you, which is good. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're just we're gonna once again uh, not blame Bluetooth because who knows if they're listening? Do, do, yeah. Do. So, Shh. 
So when you said your top three, did you what number did you have Scrooged at the top? Uh, actually, I I had Scrooged at number two. Uh, okay. Because as a kid, because we have to we have to look everything in in contextualization. Uh, my number one anti Christmas movie is Gremlins. Okay. And the nice. reason, you know, for me, uh, when I was a little kid, that movie opens up with the the concept that Gizmo is a Christmas present mm-hmm. for Billy. It opens up on on a beautiful, you know, Norman Rockwell painting of a town, you know, it's got the splash of Steven Spielberg's name, which it's like when at that point in time, you slapped Steven Spielberg's name on anything and it was going to draw at the box office. Yes. But the big thing for me was those little green bastards turned, you know, that town into a slaughter zone. Like it had that been the rated R movie that they intended it to be. Yeah, it would have been a gore fest. And even if you go back and you watch it, um, there are some some disturbing scenes like the the death of the biology teacher, the attack yes. on the mom, by mother stripe, um, you know, the gruesome uh, uh, Mrs. Deagle getting launched out of a window. They kill, they're eating Santa Claus, for Christ's sakes. Exactly. You know, they, they torture a dog. You know, whenever you 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 know, murder an old person, attack Santa. They ran through uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Futterman's house with his, you know, bulldozer. It's like, to me, that took a piss all over Christmas because what should be, especially in the, the picturesque town that they showed, Kingston Falls, um, what should have been a joyous holiday was uh, run amok by these little demons. And to think it's like, you know, this is executive produced by Steven Spielberg. And at this time, he wasn't afraid to, to put his name on stuff like Poltergeist or yeah. Goonies or, you know, Gremlins. And it's like, you know, and even the the nod, because we mentioned Goonies, even the nod in Goonies to Gremlins, you know, was was felt in that one. And that one was another Richard Donner classic. And yeah, it's true. Yeah. You, you look at that entire like weird little universe to me that's anti-Christmas. Like that was just burning the house down and peeing on the ashes of Christmas. And, and also to just think about like the fact that, you know, this was written by Chris Columbus who ended up becoming so well known for like, you know, doing movies like home alone, Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, he wrote the Goonies. I mean, he did, you know, the, uh, he did, um, he did he's done so much he did the run movie he's done so much more movies that have been like that kind of family oriented i don't think he's directed one r-rated movie but it's just crazy to think that something like this like a darker kind of script came from him uh and i think the what i like so much about it is it's just very very um just cool it's different and the christmas backdrop is like really cool about it um a lot of the scenes, even though they, they could be like a little dark at times, were actually like strangely funny. Like, you know, the whole thing with Phoebe Cates talking about, you know, her father dressing up as Santa Claus and slipping in the chimney and breaking his neck. You know, um, that whole thing. It, it's strangely funny in a way, but it's also incredibly disturbing. But it's just it's cool that a movie like this, you know, happened because in my opinion, this is my number one as well. Um and the number two in there is in between. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But this is number one just because it's, it's just so groundbreaking for me because to have a movie like this kind of branch off and get people to talk and cause parents to complain and stuff like that and create that PG-13 rating along with Temple of Doom, another Spielberg movie, it's just a really cool thing. And there's just a lot of funny things about this, uh, a lot of um, cool stuff about it. and like. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Gremlins. I'll always watch it every Christmas time. Uh, I love the sequel as well. Um, it's just very cool. And it's just another cool movie from Joe Dante, who is also another director that I love that sadly isn't doing too many films nowadays. And, you know, it's it's funny because we put this on the list and there's a lot of people uh, from our generation and maybe a little older who, for whatever reason, when it comes to the 80s, they did this this rash of holiday backdropped movies, and it seemed to be the same cast of directors. Uh, we you mentioned Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon, Richard is, Donner, 
is an anti-Christmas Richard Donner film. Mm-hmm. It, because it, the entire thing takes place under the backdrop of Christmas. And the one part of the movie that always, you know, it's Riggs defend quote defending the title in the front in Murtaugh's front yard. And you've got them running through the house in the Christmas tree. And yep. you've got the sprinkler going in the Christmas lights. And here's Riggs like fighting for dear life. And to, to kill Joshua. And it's like, and that's a Christmas movie. They started the movie off by playing Jingle Bell Rock. And then a girl <laughs> dives out of a window and dies. It's like, yep. you know, and another one. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. Because God knows if we don't mention this one on the list for 80s. Die movie, Hard. Yeah, we got to mention Die Hard. <laughs> and I'm about to I'm about to commit a cardinal sin right now. I'm probably one of the very few people that I'm like, it's an anti-Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas movie. I, I agree with you. It's the trendy thing. And everyone wants to sound hip and cool saying it. It's like, uh, it's, it's anti-Christmas at best. Yeah. So, um, no, I totally agree with you on that. So what other ones do you got on your list, man? Because, you know, w- there is that dark territory where it goes from anti-Christmas as in like Christmas backdrops to Christmas movies that are just like negative views of Christmas. So what? Well, what, yeah, what <laughs> number comes- two is a good example yeah, of that. Go. Um, the slasher classic Silent Night, Deadly Night. Motherfucker. All right. Okay. (laughs) Throw it at us. I fucking love this fucking movie. Um, it is just so cool. Like, there's just so much about it that I like. Um, I was introduced to it about a good, uh, maybe about 10 years ago. And I was like, holy hell, where has this movie been all my life? Like, I thought Black Christmas was cool. This movie is awesome. Like, I absolutely, like, really like it. Like, they have everything. Like, they have fucking the kid that sees his parents murdered by a guy dressed up as Santa Claus, so he hates, like, Christmas, can't stand it. And then, lo and behold, he ends up getting older, and he goes through all this abuse at this orphanage that he's in, and then he ends up getting a, a, a job at a toy store, and then lo and behold, who has to play Santa for Christmas time? Him. And then, you know, things will happen as they will, and then suddenly it's time to punish everybody, and he just starts hacking away at everybody. It's a classic, a real good favorite of mine. Another movie that, like I had said, um, earlier before, you know, got parents talking and matter of fact, they got it taken out. They got it taken out of theaters a couple weeks after. Now, if you ever want to get a good history on this movie, check out the good, bad flicks video on YouTube about it. Now there's actually a really, really, really funny story about this. I don't know if you know about, it. I don't know if other people know about it. Did you know that this movie was released the same day is Nightmare on Elm Street, and it actually made more money at the box office that weekend than that did. Really? That is the truth. It made four times its budget in its first two weeks of release. And uh, TriStar at the time, who released it, was owned by uh, a couple of different entities, and uh, Coke was one of them. And due to all the the parental concerns and everything, because they showed a TV spot of the movie during like a, I think it was a Monday Night Football game. Um, uh, The parents like did this big campaign and everything like that. And Coke was like, hey, Santa's a big tool for marketing. Why would we want to release this and get people upset at us? So they tried giving the excuse that it wasn't commercially viable uh, for a wider release, which was BS. So what ended up happening is, is that they took it out of theaters. TriStar took it out of the theaters. The guy that produced it had to buy the rights back to the movie, and he released it independently and made even more money that way. You know, it it's so strange to think because, once again, it's funny that you mentioned Coke and a, a Christmas-related movie because that's essentially what happened with McDonald's and Batman Returns. That's true. Because it was so dark that McDonald's and Kenner were like, here are these happy-go-lucky toys. And when the film came out, it was like hyper-sexual, hyper-violent. And then next thing you know, it's like, um, we can't release this. Like, yeah. we can't do toys for this. You guys need to change directors. You need to change direction. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Silent Light, Deadly Night, because although it's not a movie, 
uh, Richard Donner did an episode of Tales from, from the, the Crypt. Crypt, where once again, you know, the the Larry Drake was the insane asylum yeah. escapee, <laughs> and you know he gets in at the end because the little girl sees Santa, and the mom has been fighting this maniac all night, and she thinks she has him beat, and it's just like. I remember watching that as a kid, mainly because I had horrible parents. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's like I remember watching that initial. And when I say I remember watching it as a kid, it wasn't on VHS. It was like first time at midnight because I had terrible parents. <laughs> and it's like I'm watching this mo- this show and I'm like, fucking a right, man. Like, yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because. You want to know what I feel is a great anti-Christmas movie? And it's not anti-Christmas in that it's anti-the holiday. It very much takes a tongue-in-cheek jab at the consumer machine behind Christmas. Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, man. Uh, When I watched that, I was like, they're shitting on every single parent that is out there. Like... I'm old enough to remember the Cabbage Patch craze. I'm old enough to remember, and I, it's not like I'm preaching about my age. It's like, fuck, I wish I wasn't old enough to remember this shit. You know, <laughs> um, uh, Tickle Me Elmo. The yeah, I was just going to mention that. Tinky Winky um, from, from God, what was that show that he was on? Teletubbies. Thank you, Teletubbies. Um, you know, I remember these trendy toys that people, parents had to get their kids to show them that they love them. And, you know... Jingle all the way, pretty much between Arnold and Sinbad, kind of punched that whole thing right in the face. They were like, you know, here you go. We're going to make fun of the parents that do it. And by doing it, we're also going to make a really good movie. And I don't think that movie got the respect it deserved. Um, I love Jingle all the way. Yeah. I think it was right towards the end of Arnold's like nineties build where like he was really hot at the beginning of the nineties and then like the mid nineties and a little bit after that's when each movie he made progressively went down in box office appeal. Um, you know, ending with of course, end of days, which is like a new year's slash Christmas movie, but we'll just call that a new year's movie. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was fucking, and he punched triple H in the head. Like he, yeah. got, he got to punch <laughs> Triple H in the head with that movie. So fuck yeah. Um You a fucking quiet boy compared to me. You a fucking quiet boy. Wow. Um <laughs> his breakfast was great. What was it? Like beer, pizza, whiskey, and coffee <laughs> in a blender. It's like fuck, he knows how to get those muscles. Uh so, yeah. what, so what else do you got on your list? Because man, to follow up Silent Night, Deadly Night, that's gotta be a toughie, man. That's gonna be so- a tough one to top. So Gremlins is number one. Silent Night, Deadly Night is number two. Um, number three is Batman Returns. Um, number four is actually Trading Places. Oh shit! I forgot that one took place at Christmas. Yes, it did, and it's a uh, it's actually a movie I haven't watched in a while, but it's still very enjoyable when I do watch it. Just because it's like it's it's Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. I mean, come on. <laughs> And Jamie Lee Curtis as well. Yes, of course. Holy, you know, it's funny because I chose a different uh, 80s comedy in my (laughs) in my top list. A very anti-Christmas movie is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, of course. Why did I not think of that? (laughs) I I watch that every year at like clockwork. And in fact, uh, shit. When it came out on DVD, the original time I had it, and then I got it again like four times after. I got the Blu-ray special edition. It's like I fucking own the DVD. I don't need the Blu-ray. But yeah, to, to me, that is that's another one that's anti-Christmas. Be for many reasons. It's like first, it's the hassle of the tradition of getting the tree. It's like back when getting a real tree was a thing, and you didn't just pull it out of a tote in your closet. Um to the the expectations of family the the work bonuses the the hoping to not disappoint the crazy cousin that just shows up in his rv and his dog with yeah <laughs> i i'm sorry i i every time i think of cousin eddie it's just like he's got a little bit of alabama leg hound so if he starts going down just best to let him finish clarky <laughs> and, no, i like 
now that I'm thinking of that, it's it, for me, that's more of a, just a regular Christmas movie, but I know what you mean by anti-Christmas. Um, so that's why I didn't really have it that high up in the list. Um, just because, you know, I still think of it as a regular Christmas movie, but with just like the, the whole talks about the negative stuff, you know? And I mean, by the end, we do have the national anthem getting sung, you know, as Santa and his reindeer are lit on fire, launched through the air. So I guess we get the trade off with and bucket uh, and Merry Christmas shitters full. Yes. My favorite was like, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass, kiss his ass, kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. Mary, well, Mary, that's my name. No shit. Shit. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yo, know, there. I'm trying to think of some other good anti-Christmas Christmas move. Uh, we talked about before the podcast went on. Um, a Christmas story is, in some ways, an anti-Christmas movie. It's probably the most famous Christmas movie of all. I mean, TNT plays it for 24 hours on Christmas yep. Day. But I mean, all of the stuff that goes on with that movie, it's almost like they pick the worst moments of childhood memories for Christmas to throw in a film. And I mean, and that film is, of course, by the director of Porky's, you know, and Black Christmas Black Christmas. It's like it's almost like he had this little he wasn't done with Christmas yet. So he had to take another go at it with a Christmas story. I agree. Um, you know, like and the pink bunny suit like just god like we all have gotten that one present where it's like the fuck am i supposed to do with this like exactly or you know you'll shoot your eye out kid oh gee uh the tongue getting stuck on the uh, yeah (laughs) jesus so what else do you have on your list man um i do like uh lethal weapon that's also up there um and then also um Bad Santa. Uh, I, lo- I love Bad Santa. It's fun to watch here and there. Um, I never watched the sequel yet, though. I mean, I, I'm just a, I'm a fan of the original, but it's 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 a funny movie. It's lewd. It's crude. And it's just it, it's it's not supposed to be like, you know, your traditional Christmas movie. It's funny that you just said Bad Santa. I didn't even think of Bad Santa. Um, I kind of feel like a dick for having not thought of that movie, but <laughs> John Ritter's last great performance. Mm. That's another thing. And, you know, uh, one line that comes first off, uh, you know, you had the actress from the Gilmore girls who up until yes. that time was looked at as being like this. Oh, goody two shoes. And she's got a Santa fetish and mm. she's fucking Santa in a hot tub. Um <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton kicking the shit out of those kids. And then he's got that moment of clarity in the locker room where he's like, I beat up some kids today, but I feel pretty <laughs> good about it. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you can see the look of disappointment on his face. And it's like, that's a classic. That's a classic. I, I like the part where he's caught like fucking the 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 girl the woman in the fucking uh, tree uh, the the changing room. That part always cracks me up. You ain't gonna shit right for a month. Oh yeah, God. that part is hilarious. And John Ritter's reaction to it, it's like so he likes fucking big women, and he just goes like ooh, and he's like all oh. John Ritter man. He was a fucking classic actor. God, I miss yeah. that dude. Yeah, I was a big fan of his as well. Um, I um. One of my favorite movies that he did, because, um, I mean, he didn't really, I mean, he did the Problem Child movies, and he did, like, Bride of Chucky and stuff, but I really liked his movie, Stay Tuned, which I always thought would do really good with a remake. Oh, my God. That was the one with Satan, right? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he's changing, like, through all the channels, and then there's that one channel at the end where he changes through, and he's on the set of Three's Companies in the living room, and the two girls enter the door and be like, where have you been? He just looks at, breaks the fourth wall, looks at the, the looks at you, and just starts screaming and tries to, like, change the channel. Oh, my God. That was, I, I, if I can remember, it was I Warship Satin. Yes, you yeah. do. <laughs> it's like, oh, that. You know what? I'm with you on that one. Make a fucking remake for that one. Let's get it needs it. You know, let's get that one going. Let's let's get let's just 
I'll invest in that. I've got five bucks in my pocket right now. Um, and, and the cool thing about that, what you could do is, is that, you know, him and Pam Dauber, who was on Mork and Mindy, it would work to get two former uh, sitcom stars to be in the movie. I mean, because God knows they could get away with doing it. And if I'm not mistaken, and I might be, John Ritter's son looks shockingly like him. So you could have him do a cameo and at least keep that lineage in the film. Even if he's like a background character um, in it, do it up. Like, I'm completely for that as long as it makes sense. Yeah, true. And it's just like also it also, you know, kind of it's a good movie and, you know, I enjoy it. Uh, You know, it's just it's a little weird watching it nowadays, knowing that um, that um, what's his name? Oh, crap that Jeffrey Jones is a sex offender watching and rising. He was such a good villain. And then just be like, Oh wow. This guy, uh, this guy is a diddler. Yeah. So you got to think problem child, you know, Michael Richards was in that. And every time I think, Oh yeah. (laughs) I can't help but think of the infamous, you know, comedy club moment, which I will never repeat on this show ever. If you, (laughs) (laughs) if you have questions, YouTube it, because we have balls on films of fury ours aren't that big to bust out with that one. Of course. So, I mean, yeah, and the cool part about getting into these, these movies and these, especially these holiday films is there's always room for more. So, you know, one, one last thing before we begin to wrap it up, if you could, and this is going to be a curveball question because I like this. If you could either remake any Christmas movie, or if you could make your own anti-Christmas movie with a pre-existing property, what would it be? Who would it be? And how would you tell your story? So you mean like, are you talking about like how to make my own version of something that's already been done? Like a remake. If you want to make a remake, that's fine. Cause there's um, always room for a silent night, deadly night remake. Or oh. if, if you wanted to do your own superhero movie, backdrop it to to christmas what would you do okay well i'm actually trying to look up the movie right now because it's actually quite forgotten but it is a movie that came out when i was a kid um so there was a movie that came out um uh, back about almost a good 25 years ago and what it was is that um there was a it was a movie and it had Dana Carvey, Nicolas Cage, and John Lovitz, and they were um, they were three brothers, and they wanted to rob a bank on Christmas Eve. But what ended up happening is a lot of the residents wanted uh, kind of like we're getting in the way. It was called Trapped in Paradise. Do you ever remember that movie? Vaguely, I do. Vaguely, yeah. Um, I definitely think that that could use probably a, a good one because um, I've always heard the whole thing: don't remake good movies, remake shitty ones, and that movie didn't do too well considering who was in it. And I think it would do really good with like a remake. But really, if let's see, if I had to, to be honest with you, I mean, I. Just to make anything with like a Christmas backdrop would, you know, be nice. You could, you could really take anything. I mean, with the exception of Iron Man three, but um, <laughs> you could take anything. <laughs> you could take really anything, and as long as you do it good and you make it look all right, and you make you really like push the Christmas backdrop, like in all the movies that we've talked about, with the exception of like Die Hard, because it takes place during Christmas. There's not like a big like push on Christmas. Like you don't really see too much snow. I mean, you it, most of it's taking place in the plaza, you know. So it's in just Los not Angeles. in Los Angeles, you know, where there's no yeah. effing snow at all. Of course, you know, if you want to have a Christmas movie that has that kind of thing, have it where there's snow because people think of winter, people think of snow, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I like ensembles. Um, I would have to say one of my favorite regular Christmas movies is love actually. Um, so I would have to say, you know, as long as somebody could do something right and, you know, actually pay attention to the backdrop of Christmas, like if it doesn't even need to be an adaptation or something, something like original, probably with a lot of people in it have something about how 
Christmas affects them, whether it be positive or negative. And, you know, kind of like a love actually kind of thing, but a little bit of a different kind of theme to it. But you could do like a good like merging of like something like that. But if I would have to pick like a remake of something like that, I would pick Trapped in Paradise just because it's a different kind of movie and it didn't really do too well, even though it had a good cast and everything like that. You know, that's my take on that. I've always wondered, and I know that I believe it was on PlayStation 2, either PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2. We're at, we're at the 25th anniversary, 25th anniversary for this film. You know, I always kind of wondered what a sequel to A Nightmare Before Christmas would look like. Where Oh, of course. Yeah, they made it into a PS2 game, I yeah, believe. I, Oogie's Revenge, I believe, was what it was. Yes. Um, it's like, I've always wondered what, 25 years later, all of the worlds now know about each other because God knows the Easter Bunny is still traumatized by Axe Face. You know, <laughs> Santa clearly is bringing Christmas to Halloween Town. I'm sure Jack can, can do that. It's like, oh, I would be interested to see where those characters are 25 years later. I mean, there probably are some people who are rolling their eyes like, no, we don't need that. It's like, yeah, and a year ago, you guys didn't think you needed a Lion King live action movie. And after the trailer, you all are ready to cry. So it's like, I'm completely cool with seeing, you know, don't do it in CGI. That would be the big no. thing, is that you would need to stay away from CGI. Yep, you would stop have to, motion. You would have to go right back to that stop motion. And mind you, that was, I guess, the one thing with Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie that I kind of didn't like is you could tell where they went and added computer effects where yeah. the first one did kind of the Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where if they needed to do that, they did the old school um, animation over the film stock. It's like, don't fucking do that. Go straight in and do just a regular stop motion sequel to that yeah and i mean it's like it's not like henry Selleck is, is not like still in business i mean he's still making movies and more importantly than that it's like i i would like to just see a non-tim burton johnny depp movie i mean you know and i guess that's probably the only way we're gonna attach you know, attach him and uh if if i could pick another just superhero property or something that i'd like to see at christmas time uh lobo oh cool like the okay that'd be nice yeah, if you made lobo at christmas time i know it sounds weird but man like it the guy who frags them all versus you know and santa claus in the same movie like i could almost see danny trejo as lobo just being like what are you looking at just kind of <laughs> like with a cigar hanging out of his mouth and like his hair all frizzed out i think that'd be fresh as hell i actually have a really good question why does nobody ever talk about edward scissorhands during christmas you know holy shit how did we not mention that one i don't think no one ever does and the funny thing about it is is it yeah only a part of it takes place during christmas but the movie came out like christmas wow. like when it came out back in 1990 it was released during christmas time you know i think you know, I, I I I will take that step with you. I believe that a lot of people enjoyed the um. How can I how can I say this where it would make sense? The parody, the um, wink wink nudge nudge to what would be idealistic nineteen fifties living. Um, yeah, you know the cookie cutter homes in the suburbia, and everyone has the two point five kids, and you know I hate to say it, the Eisenhower vision of America. Um, yeah, you know I think that's what people see. They remember the bright colors. They remember the the Cadillacs and the the Chevy, you know, cars, and the Christmas backdrop was kind of secondary but the funny part is, is that the christmas cookies as you mentioned the snow that he created because it was I'm, i believe it took place in california it did yeah so it was the ice that he was doing the the thing on, and that was what was causing it um and yeah i believe the end of the movie right to the death of of michael hall is is that's all that was a christmas time frame yeah so why isn't edward scissorhands considered amongst the top and, and not only that, but as I recall, I really remember, and I'm actually going to look this up right now. I very distinctively remember that it was um, 
the uh, trailers of it, they used the um, they used the um, the Fox logo back when they would have the uh, the snow falling. Yes, they did because the beginning of the movie opened with snowfall. And of course, Winona Ryder is telling her her granddaughter or great granddaughter because they made her look super effing old. But like all of the snow, her dancing in the snow, the ice sculptures, all of that was based on Christmas time. So you're right. Yeah. Why isn't that is a great question. You know what? I'll put that in. I, I would call that an anti Christmas movie. Um, I I had forgotten all about about it being even related to Christmas until you just mentioned it now. So even I'm like, wow, I'm stunned at that. Yeah, because I remember they really pushed it hard for uh, Christmas uh, of that year. And I just, I, I remember, because I saw it in theaters. I, I, I saw it in theaters and I was just like, I remember because it was snowing out when I went to go see it. Well, I mean, same with Hook. Hook was a Christmas yes. release. And uh, Hook took place in winter time. I I don't think they really pushed it for Christmas. I think no. they just pushed it for like November because it was all about uh, the Wendy Darling getting the award. It just happened to be snowing in London because mm -hmm. back home it was you know sunny and the kid was playing baseball. So that had to be like October, maybe early November at best. So, yeah. So, yeah, like, but that was a Christmas release. Home Alone, of course, was a Christmas release. And that one stands the test of time as being one of yes. the great Christmas films. It's funny how, like, they'll release all these Christmas-related movies in November, though. Like, um, that, um, there was that one that Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Seth Rogen were in a couple years back. Oh, that was released in November. Yeah, uh, um, Anthony Mackie in it. Um, yep. Where, yes. I, the only thing I remember from that was uh, Seth Rogen puking in church, <laughs> yeah. wearing, wearing this, wearing the uh, Star yes. of David ugly sweater. Like that's the only oh, thing I remember. And it's, you know, it, I wish that they would do more, you know, comedies like that around Christmas time too, because you know you get the occasional one, but for the most part, I think they try and make happy friendly ones or even the Grinch one that just came out. Um, it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't the depressing Boris Karloff Grinch. And it also wasn't the super cynical Jim Carrey Grinch. It was this weird kind of like, I, I hate to say it. Like he was more of a shut in than he was a Grinch as weird. Yeah. That, that's why I haven't seen it because I, I, I was like, Okay, when I first heard about it, I was like, okay, Benedict Cumberbatch on it, this will be cool. But then I saw the trailers, and he looks too cheery. He's he's more of a shut-in who just wants to avoid Christmas due to a bad childhood. I think, and there's some other parts of that uh, film which I can relate to, and there are other parts of it where I'm like, wow, they're clearly trolling the local community college for ideas for single moms because like, <laughs> they hit cliche bingo, like, trifold on on that movie but i if you like i would rent it on dvd if i were you or just you know wait until it's on demand because yeah i'll probably wait yeah because i liked it my son liked it but then again i'm a super huge grinch mark so that's oh same here i remember i mean i remember getting really excited when uh when they uh when they released the um the um the jim carrey version back in 2000 because the way on how he did it um, he mixed a little bit of like his impressions because, you know, you have his Sean Connery, which a lot of people know mixed in with his Bruce Dern, which a lot of people don't know until they see it. And then they start losing their minds because it's such an obscure impression, but it's fucking hilarious. And he's doing it in a yak haired covered bodysuit with full prosthetics yeah. for 18 to 20 hours out of a day. And to me, you know, that was also the same time that man in the moon came out. Yes, that's true. And it's like between those two movies, I don't think those get the credit they deserve for showing just how good Jim Carrey freaking was at mm -hmm. that time. Like to me, that was the peak of Jim Carrey. The, the one thing that I do remember from that movie that, 
always stuck with me was just how much they pushed the capitalism thing, which is similar to what they did a few years prior with Jingle All the Way. Oh, of course. Where they really were pushing that whole, you know, Christmas is about capitalism, buy, 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 you know, gift wraps and bows and all that other stuff. And, you know, now Taylor Mumford is, you know, she fucks for Satan, apparently, when it comes to her heavy <laughs> metal music. So it's like, thank you, fucking the, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's still weird. It still seems weird, like, looking at her nowadays and just be like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, just like... What? Where was this person like almost 20 years ago? Like, you know, she's like a little girl and now she's like all grown up and like looking the way that she does and everything is like, uh, it kind of, it's just, it's weird to be like, you know, a teenager, like seeing that movie and then just like getting older and then just like seeing like this little girl look like that. And it's like, what the hell happened? When I saw the video for heaven knows, I was just like, oh my God, that's insanely hot. And then someone's like, that's Cindy Lou who, and I'm like, oh my God, gouge my eyes out now. I can't I, <laughs> like, like just take the, take an ice cream scooper, get them out. I, I can't, I can't unsee this. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So, uh, we're going to wrap this episode up. God, man, this was a great conversation. Um, yeah, I, man. I can't wait for the next one. And, um, you know, Thank you for coming on and discussing favorite anti-Christmas movies. I'm glad we had some similar ones. You threw some curveballs at me. I mean, Silent Night, Deadly Night should have been on my list, especially considering my horror connections. But it's like to have someone else bring up Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's like, okay, so that the legacy lives on. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, so uh, where can we find you coming up? You know, uh, plug all your stuff, man. This is your chance. The platform is yours. All right. So like I said before, you can uh, check me out at the 90s Not Podcast. Um, I have, I'm on Facebook. Check that out. Um, I also have a podcast that I do every now and then. I plan on doing one this week on Toy Lines. Uh, you'll be able to see it pretty much everywhere. Uh, compliments of a B Plus Player Radio. Um, and I also will be performing at certain wrestling events coming up. Uh, December 1st, you can see me in Lanesboro, Mass. at the TIW Arena for The Clash Before Christmas 3. It's our second anniversary show. You can also see me on Saturday, December 15th in Whitesboro for New York Championship Wrestling Season Beatings. I will be there. And then you can also see me back at TIW on the 30th for New Year's Bash. Outstanding. Well, much success to you and the the gentleman in TIW. Uh, I hope you guys kill it this weekend. You never know who might be spotted in the crowd. I'll just leave it at that. And, yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> you, you never know. I mean, it, you, you get all these crazies out of the woodwork in in Massachusetts. Trust me. Um, once again, thank you for for coming on the show tonight. Um, and if you enjoyed listening to this fine-ass podcast, you can find Films of Fury on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine-ass podcasts. And, of course, you can follow my exploits with the Necrocasticon as we cover all things horror and metal every Monday. And you can get that also wherever you get your fine-ass podcasts. We've got our year's end episode coming up soon. And so I'm going to bitch about what movies I thought sucked this year and what movies I thought were amazing this year so uh look forward to that as always ladies and gentlemen stay furious and until next time fury out